Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Normal Nor with Autism. You did that on purpose. I did. Okay. Tara told me I could open it, and then she changed her mind, so then I took over. Did I say you could open it, and then I changed my mind? That's that's my recollection. Oh. Is that not what happens? No. <laughs> But for everybody who might be listening right now in their car and you... Oh, sorry I scared you and caused you to wreck your car. So Monday morning when we put this out, we'll have to listen and see like if they report accidents. Normal with autism is not responsible for any damage it's caused. That's right. By Sarah Sell's loud voice. There you go. So yeah, uh, we're back for another episode. And I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. And... um. Can I tell you, I didn't even just, I didn't check. I think it's been a minute since I checked. I was going to let you know how many downloads we Ooh, had. Oh, let me know. Let me see. Let me get it on here real quick. It doesn't like to tell me sometimes. We have almost 1,600 <gasps> downloads. You guys. Yeah. You like us. I know. They keep coming back for more. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe that people actually, like, listen to us. Like, I live in a house full of people that don't listen to me. So the fact that other people, like, seek out. Uh Uh-huh. It takes you getting on the radio to, or the the radio, the, um. The the, the phone? uh, The aux cord? The, the podcast, it takes you getting on a podcast for people to listen to you. Yeah, I, I dig it. That's Thanks, amazing. Guys. You guys are awesome. We love everybody that listens. I know we know some people who listen because obviously they're our friends and they want to make us feel better about ourselves. Yes, double and, done. And we love them for that. Um, it's just the same four people downloading it over and over and over so think, we don't get sad. Do you think Jen sits at her computer Probably. And like over and over just again. Just like a refresh. Right. Oh, you might hear a dog in the background. Just FYI. And you might hear kids in a Craig because they're also in the house. You might hear me drinking Coke. We're at my kitchen table per usual. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what our story is. And we're Got sticking. all our St. Patrick's we decorations do. and cookies and stuff out. We do you celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Will you no. no. I don't care about anything. You don't oh. <laughs> so you won't take the kids to the parade or No. 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 No, it's not I a thing. I don't think I'm any Irish. I don't think. At all? Would I don't you think so. would you do one of those DNA tests? Okay, here's the thing. Uh oh. No. Okay. <laughs> because Uh oh. My family is already so crazy. I don't want to know anything else. Like, I don't know. Like, people at work did it, and they're like, oh, my great-grandfather was a Greek fisherman. And I'm like, I just know, like, my great-great-grandfather was, like, a stagecoach robber or something. It would say that on the test. Yeah. It would and I come already back. have, like, oh, your great-great-grandmother was the first woman to be executed in <laughs> Minnesota or whatever. Like... I can't. I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I was going to say, I'm not sure if they provide that level of detail on the results. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and also, um, my, I've never met my biological dad. Okay. And that's like a whole can of worms I don't want to open. So as much as I want to know, like, what my makeup is, mm-hmm. I don't want any leaves 
or anything. <laughs> you don't want any. You don't want any leaves on the computer. Right. Any ancestry leaves. Right. I love it. Okay. I don't know. So if there's a way I can just like ship it out and find out what my makeup is without having any like relative information, then maybe. Well, I think I think what I mean. My mom did it. My mom did it, and she found out she is twenty. 6% Irish or something like that. Oh. So doesn't that automatically make me like an eighth? Isn't I, that how that goes? I don't know. I don't know. It's like a half, a quarter, an eighth. I'm like a quarter felon, a quarter dropout. Oh, I don't I don't know what I am. <laughs> Just kidding. My parents are great. Like you, my family's awesome. <laughs> you are I was gonna say you are a hundred percent awesome. If it can't, if 100%. you, that's if, what all my results would say. It's right. It would just come back with big letters. Yeah. Sarah Cell is one hundred percent awesome. Yeah. Uh, a girl that I work with did it and found out she has a secret uncle. How did? But how do they know that? Because she got like a. Oh, the leaves. Yeah, like you're connected to this oh. guy. And she's like, "Who is this dude?" And she's like, "Grandpa, have you ever heard of this guy?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's my secret son." Oh my goodness. Isn't that crazy? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like Mori Povich. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like that's the thing that I don't want to know. Okay. All right. Well, that may, I mean, that makes sense. Well, speaking of, well, but you may want to think of these things because it, that's how they caught that one killer the guy. The State Killer. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. From familial DNA. Right. Someone was like, I wonder if I have any Native American in me. And they're like, boom, caught ya. So great. <laughs> it's all a it's all a governmental plot to world dominate. Oh yeah. All and of there's us. There's like a well cuz there's like a bunch of different companies now. But some of them have like a like a asterisk like if you've committed a crime, do not submit your DNA to us. <laughs> Holy crap because then you can get caught. Yeah. Oh my. I don't think the bigger ones like ancestry or a what is it? 123 ABC. <laughs> I want to call it A and E, but I know that's just the show I watch my murder stuff on. One, two, three. <laughs> is it A? Twenty three. Twenty three and me. Twenty three and me. That's what it is. I think I don't if, think that they. If any of those companies want to sponsor us, we'll do a better job with your name. They'll be like, please don't ever talk about us ever again. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, back to being Irish. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we went. We went on a complete yeah. tangent. Anyway, we we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, in this you house. actually are somewhat Irish, right? And I'm best friends with someone who is 57% Irish. Oh. So it's like legit honorary. Does she know Colin Farrell? Um, Colin Farrell from the Bridget Joneses movies? Or is that Colin Firth? I think that's... I don't, I don't I've never seen it. Are you talking about Conan O'Brien? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> is it Colin Farrell Irish? Is he the hot guy that was in the... With the dark hair? Yeah. He was in the new Fright Night movie. He was the vampire. I haven't seen that. Oh, God. It's so good. I mean, the original was good. Okay. What movie is he from? Okay. We have completely veered off topic. I remember he dated Britney Spears for like five seconds. I think Colin Farrell... Is the hot vampire guy from the new well, newer Fright Night movie? What he's from. Right. Okay. Okay. He. She's looking it up right now on uh, her phone. What for, are these movies? For everybody who's 
Oh, he's in the new Dumbo movie. Oh, okay. The new one. Well, he show me. He was in Fantastic Beast. Okay. Um, you know who else is in Fantastic Beast? Jude Law. Yeah, And he you is. know who Jude Law is? Jude Law is a pimp. He sure is. He is so awesome. Yeah. Jude Law has got it going on. Ooh, love that man. Um. Okay, I don't think you would recognize any of these movies, because I don't. Anyway, he's Irish. Should we start over? <laughs> I don't think so. No, there's no edits in podcasting. Okay. I mean, that's not true, right. but there's no edits in our podcast. He's in all these movies, but I don't know what any of them are. <laughs> I don't know what movie I saw him in. Yes, but he is Irish. If yeah. it's the same person we're thinking of. Is. It is. He's Irish. But no, my best friend Bridget does not know. But she does know a guy named Tim, who's from New York who's friends with her friend Mahan that we stayed with in New York. Uh-huh. And Tim is like almost 100% Irish. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So he's pretty awesome. And they're like special and amazing. They do TV producer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Like Mahan is best friends with Gail King. Huh. Not really, but really? we like to tease. He works at CBS. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we like to tease him that he and Gail are like buddies. Yeah. Because they see each other in the hall and... Well, my friend's friend mm-hmm. that we stayed with when we went to New York Uh-oh. saw Tina Fey once on an escalator at Michael's. Shut up. Right? I know. That's and I was a- like, you didn't, ju-. she was like, she was coming up and I was going down. And I was like, you didn't jump the escalator to the other side? If anybody doesn't know, Sarah has a big Tina Fey. <sighs> She's everything to me. I know. If you met She's her. She's the love of my life. Would your head explode? I th- honestly think I would pass out. It would be the most embarrassing moment of my life, I'm sure. I would pay, I wouldn't know what to do. I would pay to see that. I yeah. I'm a terrible fangirl because when I meet people, like I just go stupid. Yeah, that right? would be me. Right? I go up to them and I'm they're like, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you." And I'm like, "Hi, I like bread." <laughs> like who who does that? That's what happened when I met Matt. Oh. <laughs> were you a fangirl first? I mean, is it embarrassing if I say yes? No, no, I'll forgive you. <laughs> no, it was so weird because I like I knew who he was. Like, we had mutual friends, but we never met before. I don't think he knew anything about me, right. but I knew about him. Um, and so like when I finally met him, I was like, "Oh, you're Matt." Ooh. And I tried to like flirt with him, and he was like, "Why are you talking to me?" Oh, oh, so he did not pay you the time of day at first. He did not. No. Wow. No. And then, um, like, three months later, he came into the place I was working, the little pizza shop I was working at. And I remember, like, seeing him, and I, like, ducked down. and was so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm not going out there. And they're like, no, but you have to wash the tables. And I was like, no, but I'm not. And they're like, but you are. Like, we pay you five fifty an hour. You're going to earn it. Get out there and wash some tables. And so I had to, and I was like covered in flour, like my Lip Biscuit t-shirt. <laughs> this is 2001, by the way, guys. <laughs> and um, he like came and asked me my name and like asked me when I was working next. And like he totally did not remember meeting me three months before. Had no idea. Oh, he played it off like he didn't know who you were. He didn't know who he I really was. He really didn't know who you he were? he forgot meeting me. Oh my God. Matt, what were you thinking? Yeah. Right. And now, now. Sure made an impression. I, so we lied. This episode is not going to be about my diagnosis story. <laughs> it's really all about how Matt and Sarah met. And There's two different stories. Mine is the real story. Oh, he has a different story? Matt has a different story. Okay. We'll have to. You know what? 
when we do our dad's episode, mm-hmm. which we should probably do soon. Yeah, we should schedule that. Ooh, maybe yeah. around Father's Day. I think that's a great, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, note to management episode. Jen, make a note. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to get his story. Yeah. Okay. So should we get into it now that we have I don't know. Do you want to? covered St. <laughs> Patrick's Day? We haven't said the word autism once. <laughs> haven't talked about autism or anything like that once. Yeah, we should probably. All right, fine. Okay. Do you feel very official? and? I feel very powerful. Because we've turned the tables again because you're asking me the yes, questions I'm this on time. The other, I'm literally on the other oh, side of the table. Wait, though. Oh. We need an Owen update. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, okay. okay. So for everybody, maybe they're just joining us on this first episode. Like, this is their first episode listening to it. Last episode we discussed, Owen had been hospitalized. Yes. Okay. So Owen is my son. He is eight years old. Yeah. Do you really want me to start? No, no, no. You don't have to start. But just so people are like, but that's good that they know Owen's your kiddo. Yeah. So Owen um, spent... Nine days in the hospital recently for um, suicide ideation and hallucinations. Uh, he came home last Thursday, and he was so excited to come home. He was so happy, and he is doing really well. So he's been on spring break all week. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, so he hasn't been in school for, like, three weeks. Wow. Uh, so he's been on spring break, so he's just been doing a lot of, like, hanging out and chilling, which is good because he didn't have to go from, like, hospital back to school. Like, he has some, like, mellow out period. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll start back to school on Monday, and we'll see if that affects anything with his, you know, mood or anything. Um, but he's doing really great. Now, are you nervous about him starting back to school on Monday, or is that, like, what you, Not like, really, you're happy for, excited yeah, for? Like, it'll, he'll be back in his routine which he hasn't been for a while. Uh, so I think that'll be good. You know, the first couple of days are always hard coming back from any kind of break or hospitalization or anything because his routine's been disruptive. Um, but I'm not too worried about it. I think that he'll do fine. Um, but yeah, he's doing really well. He's sleeping better. He changed some medications, lowered some medication dosages, uh, which I think helped. He had therapy today, and he did really well there. And... We're just glad to have him back. So he is rocking it out at home and mm-hmm. doing really well. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody's happy to hear that. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. And he's just, I don't know. The thing with mental illness is we never know for how long. You know, it could come back at any time. Right. Or he could start hallucinating again or he could, anything can happen. Um, we never know how long he's stable. Right. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But this time it was a little over a year between hospitalizations, which is the longest we've gone for a long time. So we're happy with that. That's really important. Yeah. That you've had that stretch of time in between the hospitalizations for sure. Yeah. So. So, and we, you know, every time we get a little, a little better. Uh-huh. So hopefully things are good now. Well, I love him, and he's, he's amazing, and I'm so happy that he was able to work through some stuff, and yeah. the sleeping better part is huge. Yeah, he, um, the second night, he was, the first night he slept for like six hours, and I was like, oh god, please, <laughs> just go to sleep. Please. <laughs> but then the next day, he slept for like 14 hours. Yeah. Like, he went to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon. 
I remember I, I texted like six in the morning. I texted you. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know what to think about this. Right. <laughs> and for anybody who is listening who um, is neurotypical mm-hmm. person, family, kids, sleep is a huge issue in our community. Yes. Um, Finn does not sleep through the night. He is seven years old. I can't remember the last time he slept through the night. It's very rare that he does. Um, and he will often get up and come into our bed. Mm-hmm. And that's more of like a sensory seeking, like pressure. He likes to be against somebody warmth kind of thing. Yeah. And normally he can pretty well fall back asleep, but there's nights that he has like a little party from mm-hmm. 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. So if you have, um, friends with, autistic kiddos check on them because we're not doing well because we're sleep deprived (laughs) we're so so tired all the time and if somebody could invent some type of magic pill melatonin does not work does not keep them asleep right it works to get them asleep and keep them asleep and that's Owen's problem like he can fall asleep yeah then he's up and down all night he's up for the day usually between four and five so luckily my husband is an early riser so he's up that time Um, oh god but he also you know he's eight now so he's like a little more independent he can get his own snacks he can do his own thing um but sometimes that means you know he's binging in the middle of the night Yes. Like, we've come downstairs, and there's popsicle wrappers everywhere, and he's eaten an entire box of popsicles. Like, there's food we can't keep in the house because he'll get up in the middle of the night and eat it all. Um, and obviously, we have a really strict safety plan because we don't always know when he's awake in the night. It's, ugh. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> but he has been sleeping better, and for that, I am thankful. Yeah. Good. And everyone at the hospital loved him. Oh, that's wonderful. He made so many little friends, and all his therapists loved him, and yeah, he worked really hard, and he's doing really well. Well, you can't not love him, and I'm happy to hear that he's back home and doing well. Yeah, so far, so good. All right. Yay. Yay, Thanks for praying for him, and thinking of him, and I don't know what we would do without Mm -hmm. people on our side. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. You have, we have a really supportive community of friends and. Yeah, definitely. People brought us food and. Yeah. Um, the ex-kids uh, classes made him cards. Aww. So he got home and he had all these cards to go through and they were all so sweet. That's so great. So he loved that. He has all of those. Yeah. Um, they printed him out a bunch of cat pictures at the hospital they cat pictures all over his room so he brought all those home and they're all in his room now that is awesome yeah so yeah we'll take it <laughs> good job owen keep working hard buddy yeah so now so speaking of <clears throat> diagnosis things. stuff <laughs> things that we've covered yeah i was i have a couple questions for you tara so Sarah's going to turn the tables again, and she's asking, she's the one in charge asking the questions. Yes, we, I am the, uh, I don't know, who, you, I'm the Barbara Walters. I, I love that, because you couldn't say Walter Cronkite the last time. I could not. So Barbara Walters is, what about Oprah? Oh, I want to be can Oprah. You, can you be Oprah? Yeah, we I can be anyone I want to be. <laughs> you heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> Uh, how do I beat Oprah? 
I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that? No. You can be Barbara Walters. Hello. This is 2020. She's not British. Why did I do that? I have no idea. We decided that this episode would be um, diagnosis episode, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have another one where we'll focus on your stuff. Okay. But we decided tonight to talk about Finn and... Yeah. I want to know how... What led you to this diagnosis and just 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 tell me everything just tell you everything tell me everything i need to know well so um you know we're coming up on april autism awareness month yes okay wear blue if you want if you want yeah um so people often ask me did i did i know that he had autism first and we didn't okay um, it started with his epilepsy. His epilepsy is really where this kind of journey started. He was 15 months old and we had dropped him off with my parents one morning because we were going to take Quentin and some of the older kids to a movie. Um, the new Wizard of Oz movie that had come out like six or seven years ago. I can't remember. Six years ago. Okay. So we went to the movie theater and I had a really odd, strange feeling and kept looking at my phone and I just, things didn't feel right. Your mom's intuition. Yeah. Yeah. My spidey senses were in high gear and, um, my mom called me and she was crying. She said, I think Finney had a seizure and we called the ambulance and they're on their way to the hospital. So we got down there to children's hospital and they let us go. Because they estimated that it was a febrile seizure. Okay. Which so can, a high fever. Yeah, which can be pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came home. did he home. have a fever? No. Oh, okay. No. They just assumed it because he had been sick. Okay. Um, and then we came home, and two hours later, he had another one. And I called the squad, and we went back to Children's. Mm-hmm. And they decided to admit us. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, we got into a room, and that started our first stay. Um, and he was diagnosed with epilepsy and it was March of 2013. Okay. So he's 15 months old, diagnosed with epilepsy. And can you talk a little bit about what that diagnosis process looked like? Was it an EEG? It was brutal. Okay. It was brutal. Um, and I say that because epilepsy is this kind of crazy, silent monster that it just does what it wants to do and... Mm -hmm. And a seizure doesn't always look the way that you think it is supposed to look. No. Whatever you see on TV, mm-hmm. that a seizure can look like that. The bigger seizures um, where people are convulsing, that absolutely can be a seizure. Um, but seizures look different for everybody. Yeah. There's all different types. Um, and there's seizures that kids can have that you don't see. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was over the month of March, we would be in the hospital for a while And then they would say, okay, here's medicine. This should get his seizures under control. We would be home for a day. We couldn't get the seizures under control being at home. So they had us come back into the hospital. So for a month, we were in and out of the hospital about three times. Okay. Um, And so like we'd stay for a week, have a day off or two, and then come back. Stay for another week, have a day off or two, come back. And it was on that third time they... They did an MRI the very first day. They did an EEG. They continued doing EEGs as we were staying there. Mm-hmm. 
At one point, they told us that he had a diagnosis of infantile spasms. And what that meant was that he had a 90% chance of being like a one-year-old for the rest of his life. Okay. They had presented us... Is that from like brain damage or... Yeah. So what was happening with Finney's seizures at the time, the doctor, I remember he called them angry. They were angry brainwaves. And what would happen is that they would go and he would have the seizure, but then they wouldn't return to normal. Okay. So, all, uh, all, so there was no rest. Right. All kinds of people live with epilepsy and they're fine. They yeah. can function normally. But we'll, in Finney's case, what would happen is his brain would have that angry seizure wave and then the wave would not go back to normal. So that inhibits all kinds of things, mm-hmm. including learning. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't learn anything um, because his brain wouldn't be functioning the way it needed to be. So... Um, they told us that on a Friday night, and that's pretty much when my world fell out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. And life changed then as I knew it. I mean, it changed the day we got his epilepsy diagnosis, but that time was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and for 24 hours, I just kind of gave up and gave everything over to God. And I was like, yeah. whatever it is, I'm here. I mean, I have no control in this situation. Um, I was literally on my knees surrendered to him because I knew in that moment that, that I was just, I wasn't in control at Mm. all anymore. Um, and then 24 hours later, after we got that diagnosis, I'll never forget this. It was the Saturday before Easter, um, because we left, we celebrated Easter in the hospital and we left that next day on that Monday. Um, a little girl came in, I thought she was like a orderly or something else at first she was actually a doctor and she came in and she sat down next to me and she said your son doesn't have infantile spasms okay and I was like I'm I fell apart for a second time yeah you know and I thank God and and she was like he still has epilepsy but it's not as grave of a case as we thought it was going to be yeah so within 24 hours God healed him from that diagnosis yeah um and so we left obviously still in a devastated place that a 15 month old has seizures Mm -hmm. and has this crazy diagnosis, but in a much better place than where we, we had been in that time. Yeah. Um, we had a really good neurologist at the time and he noticed that Finney was not walking or talking. Okay. And at 15 months old, those are pretty big warning signs that something else is going on. So we were enrolled in all kinds of programs, including help me grow. And we also got into the um, School for Developmental Disabilities that's over off of John, one of the schools over off Johnstown Road. Mm-hmm. And that's run by the county, Franklin County. Uh-huh. Um, and so we went through a process with Help Me Grow where they gave him a bunch of assessments um, like a, a month later or so. And he, he basically scored zero on everything. Okay. So like he wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't responding to his name. Most times he wasn't interested in toys, like, like everything you could measure for him at the time where he was supposed to be when he was about 16 months old, Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing any of those things. So prior to this, did you have any concerns about, cause you have an older child, so you kind of know the milestones you should be watching for. So were you concerned at all that he wasn't walking or talking or did any kind of diagnosis ever cross your mind or? You know, the funny thing is, 
is that there there were concerns that I had expressed. I, I remember talking to my doctor, my pediatrician guy, who, our family doctor who we love, who mm-hmm. I've known forever, and I remember saying to him, like, you know, we're, we're almost a year old, and, and he's not talking. Like, he wasn't even making really kind of... Like babbling. Or- yeah, like sounds at that point, a lot of sounds. And, and the pediatrician was like, you know, every kid is different. Mm-hmm. Try not to worry about it too much. You know, we'll keep track of everything. He seems to be hitting all of his other stuff. And the funny thing is, is, I mean, thank, I guess in a way, thank God for Facebook, because I had posted videos and stuff uh, about him and that kind of thing. Um, and I look back at those videos, like, I saw a video that I posted. He might have been eight months old, and he couldn't sit up on his own. Okay. And that was a big red flag um he there were videos that I have where like we're calling his name and he won't turn around and respond Mm -hmm. you know um so looking back on all those things like there was that kind of quiet concern like something's different something's off Mm -hmm. but to give it a name and I'm I'm even a, a mental health professional to call it autism I just that wasn't in my it it wasn't in my field like I yeah. couldn't even grab on to that idea yeah. that that he would have eventually be diagnosed with autism mm-hmm. so then yeah yeah so what led us to kind of going to that next thing was um doing his his school like his developmental school mm-hmm. so he was there and and they were, and this kind of speaks to the question that you have about the other concerns, like, like he would be there and he would be hanging out and they would teach him things. And all of the kids that he was in the classroom with, there were like six or eight of them. Mm-hmm. They were all developmentally delayed somehow. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a, a thing. Um, but I did notice at one point, like I came to pick him up after school one day and he was off in the corner playing with an object. I think there were these beads he was playing with, like mm-hmm. a bead curtain. And all of his other little buddies were on the floor, like talking to each other somehow, like communicating somehow. If they yeah. weren't talking, they were making eye contact, that kind of stuff. Um, and that there to me also gave me like, what's going on? Concern, yeah. yeah. Like, okay, they're all delayed. Why isn't he over there hanging out with his buddies? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And now my dog is attacking it's Sarah. It's like super into me today. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah. So. Um, but it was quite a while before we got our autism diagnosis. Now, um, so who diagnosed him eventually? Was it children's? Or did you have to go through... So it was kind of convoluted. What ended up happening um, was that we were in speech. We were in all kinds of therapies with children. Uh-huh. We did physical, occupational, and speech with children, um, which were fa- they were fabulous, by the way. Again, they thank God that we have that resource. Yes. Right, right. So um, fabulous therapist and his speech therapist – she was wonderful. Her name was Julie. She, man, she kept trying to get him to imitate sounds. Mm-hmm. And if, for those of you guys who don't know, imitation is a big thing with kids with autism. They usually won't do it. And mm-hmm. that's how we learn is we imitate when we're that young. So, like, 
if you asked, like if you said, you know, clap your hands and you would clap your hands, he would just look at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and he wouldn't clap his hands. Or some kids can only like repeat, like echolela. Yes. Yeah. Echolalia. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You said it right. So they'll just repeat your word Mm -hmm. back to you. Like you could say, do you want water? And they'll say, do you want water? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So he would not imitate her sounds. Like he would try, but it was just, or, or sometimes he wouldn't even try. Like she would say go and even getting him to do the motor movements for sign language, he had a hard time with that. Okay. So he, that was the fall of 2013 that he went into school. We were still in therapies. He started therapies in May of 2013 and Julie, at, like, in the fall, in the winter, she was like, something else is going on. We need to get him looked at. And she didn't even really know where to refer him to. Okay. So even a, a speech therapist inside Children's Hospital was unclear about, like, where do I get this kid? Yeah, what's my next step? Right. She wasn't sure if he needed, like, another doctor or if he, what he needed. And thank God she figured out to send him to the developmental clinic, mm-hmm. right, to get in front of a developmental doctor. And they tested him for autism. Okay. So in March of 2014, we got up early one morning and we got ourselves prepared for like a six-hour appointment. Mm-hmm. And we marched into the developmental clinic um, in the main hospital And they spent about four hours with us. They put him through all kinds of testing. It's Um, a long day. It's a long day. They did speech. They did occupational. They did physical. IQ testing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember towards the end of the day, he was getting pretty tired, Mm -hmm. right? Like anybody would. And we have a... We have a Quentin and a, a Finney making noises upstairs, so you might hear them. Um, this is a real life podcast. This is right. We do not stop real life just to have a podcast. And we don't edit as Tara tells me every single time. That's right. Every time. So, um, we were there and I remember it was towards the end of the day. (sighs) And, um, the psychologist was in there and she was getting ready to do like the last piece of the assessment with him. Mm -hmm. And they had asked us, somebody had asked us, do you want to continue? Do you want to reschedule and come back? Because he seems so kind of tired and out of it. And I said, can we reschedule and come back? Because maybe he would give us more stuff to work with. And they looked at us and they were like, he's not going to really give us anything more to work with. So they already knew. Oh, okay. Like before they even did their results. Okay. And we said, okay. So we went into the last part of it. And then they brought us back into the room. And they just had these faces that, like, you looked at their faces and you were like, They're, this is not going to be good, mm-hmm. right? And so basically what happened was they came in and they said, um, your son has severe autism, severe nonverbal autism, mm-hmm. and um, he is at great risk for mental retardation if you do not get him help right away okay. and and like the room kind of went really bright and focused and sharp mm-hmm. and then the 
you feel like the floor kind of falls out from underneath you and like you got kind of gut punched and mm. and they said we'll refer you to the autism clinic mm. and you can check with them about um treatment but that's pretty much what you need to do and were you prepared for that diagnosis at all I don't think so yeah no and I mean who would be right you know um but at the same time you know I I feel kind of torn about it because it I feel like in our community we walk the line a little bit Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is I compare it to the people in the down syndrome community they seem so joyful and so like yes it's sad at first but then there's all this joy behind it right and I feel like in our autism community there's not a lot of joy there Mm -hmm. you know well I feel like autism has a lot of fear yes um you know just like with the whole I'm I'm gonna say it but the whole vaccine thing um, how many studies have been done, you know, do vaccines cause autism? Like, why are, what, why is everyone so afraid of autism? Like, there's a fear-mongering aspect to it. Like, autism is not scary. It's not a tragedy. Yeah. You. The way that some people treat autistic people is a tragedy. That is a tragedy. But having autism, having a child with autism is not the worst thing that could happen to you. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. whereas, um, you know, people with other disabilities are much more understood, are celebrated even, mm-hmm. autism for some reason is just terrifying to people. And that's the tragedy of it. Yeah. I mean, me included, like when it occurred to me that my son might be autistic. Like I was terrified because I didn't know anything about it. Right. I only knew things I'd seen in the news or things that I'd heard from other people. It's not, it's not the worst thing that could happen to you. Right. It's not the tragedy that people go, Oh my God, you know, how could you live with that? Or how could you, right. How, how do you do it every day? And right. We do it. Yeah. And it's not, I don't know. Like it. Ugh. <laughs> if I could, if I could, if I could crusade and spend all my time advocating, that's what I would do is I would, I would want to turn the stigma around on it and like mm-hmm. really turn it around and get it to the point where like the people in the down syndrome community are that they have, they have a network of people here in Columbus that if, when a baby gets diagnosed with down syndrome, there is a team of people who are there and they will give them like a little welcome packet and oh. like, like little they gifts. Have like a support system. Built yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And how amazing would that be for families who get an autism diagnosis? Like if we could have a strategic outreach, like here we are. Do you're you see, great. Do you see my wheels turning? I do, and I'm a little scared that you're gonna have me do stuff. <laughs> welcome committee right like welcome to the family yeah you know you are in a great community and we are loving people and your kid is gonna be fine yeah and they are gonna grow up and be okay yeah because we're gonna make that difference we're gonna make that change like how amazing would that be absolutely so 
So if anybody's listening and wants to start that advocacy project with us, let us know. We can get t-shirts. Right. We can get bumper stickers. Right. Right? Like, let's let's tap into the joy that is this journey that we're on. Listen, are you ever like, I wonder what that person with autism is thinking and not saying? No, you don't, because they will tell you. Right. At least my kid. Yeah. (laughs) He will absolutely let you know. Or, you know, there's no, like... When I look at Finn, and he's just the most authentic person mm-hmm. I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he's so, he's just joy. Like, he's just joy, like, personified. Just a little body of joy. Aww. He's my favorite person. Thank you. And he is joyful, especially when they do Imagine Dragons at church. Yeah. Hint, hint. Just more Imagine Dragons <laughs> at church, maybe, please. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, you you felt like you got punched in the gut but the the crazy thing was then they they're like okay there's the door mm-hmm. and you kind of go out and you wait so we got our diagnosis yeah we got our diagnosis in march um i went to the autism clinic that next month to find out what treatment options were available mm-hmm. he started getting um therapy in august oh that's pretty quick actually that's not bad yeah so we we started in August and we did two full years of um, ABA therapy full time in the home. Nice. And worked with him that way. And look at him now. He can read. Yeah. My nonverbal, severely autistic, at great risk for mental retardation kid can read. Yeah, he's got that little tablet going. I know the <laughs> speech device. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's pretty amazing with that. So yeah. No, that's amazing because it's just, it's such a story of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, you're told one thing, but you know your kid and you know what they're capable of. You know, my my friend Meredith at the time, she was one of the people who regularly said to me, they can't tell you what he can't do mm-hmm. in the future. You know, they're not they They can't they can't predict his future. Yeah. And. And she was right. I'm, he's doing things now that I just, I pray for every day. Like, I talk to God a lot every day, and I say, please let my son talk. Mm-hmm. I just want him to be able to talk at this point. Um, and, and I literally take that prayer with me every time I go to church. I wake up with it. I go to sleep with it. Mm-hmm. I just want him to be able to talk. And that's that's where I'm at right now. And I keep thinking, like, remember, you didn't think if he could be potty trained and we're almost there. And you didn't think, like, you wouldn't even think, like, could he read? Well, he can read. Yeah. You know, we know he can spell. You didn't think he'd be able to communicate at all. Exactly. Exactly. And now he's engaged. He has little friends at school. Um, he's engaged with his brother. He's always been engaged with his brother. Him Mm -hmm. and his brother have like this supernatural connection with each other. But yeah, he's doing all these things like you're not sure that he could do them. So I have to remind myself, um, like another great blog person said, seven is not 17. Right. And that's what I have to think about every day. Yeah. So. Yeah. And your, you know, dreams that you have now might be your reality. Mm-hmm. A year from now, three years from now, five mm-hmm. years from now, you know, you just, I mean, the thing with, with autism and maybe parenting in general is that 
you know, you never want to put a cap on your child's potential. Right. Like, they're capable of so much, even if they're different, even if they, you know, have different abilities. That doesn't mean that they're not capable of leading happy, productive lives. And that is the joy and the message that I want to bring to people who are newly diagnosed Mm -hmm. is we don't, we don't know their potential and it's there just waiting to be discovered. Yeah. So. And you can help them. Yes. You can help them get there. Yes. And it's so rewarding when you see them do this thing that you didn't think they'd ever be able to do. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. So, so how did this diagnosis change your hopes and your dreams and your vision for the future? Or well, how is it still? How is it still? So, um, what I've started to realize, so Finn is seven years old now, right? And I think up until this year, I was living in moments of... You know, like what's it I was I was living in moments of what will it be like for him later on down the road and like mostly thinking about like meeting goals and stuff like that. And he's turned seven this last year. This has been a hard year, I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. It's been a difficult um season so far with him seven in this. Is such a like transitional age. Yeah. Like, both of my kids had a hard time with seven. Yeah. Well, not just like for him having any kind of difficulties because he, he's always been very opinionated. Mm-hmm. It's ratcheted up a little bit more now, but I'm having difficulties. I was, here's an example. I was telling Quentin last night at his birth story. Like I like to tell him, Hey, the night you were born, this stuff happened, you know, and that kind of thing. And in those little moments, it hits me like, I can't tell Finn his birth story. Mm. I can't have that back and forth with him the way I'm having it with Quentin, you know. Or having a conversation with Quentin about, do you like a girl? Mm. Like, I'm not going to be having that conversation with Finn. At least not, obviously, right now, you know. Um. Or thinking about with Quentin, like, driving. Oof. That is scary. <laughs> Don't yeah. get me wrong. But I I won't have that with Finn. I won't have that driving thing with him yeah. that I can picture right now, you know. And I want to be wrong about all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I just, in those moments, I think I just honor that grief. Yeah. Because it is, it is a grieving process that we go through. Yeah. And I think it's going to change and morph and grow, like, as we grow together with him. Mm-hmm. And then the the joy moments happen. Like, he roars at the dinosaur in Toy Story now. So cute. So he'll, he'll do his roar for you. So I, I think it. I think that's his first word is roar. Yeah. Quentin argued with me. He said no, his first word was Bubba. I was like, okay, all right, we'll give you that. Um, So in those moments of sadness, I recognize that there's a really different life we're living with him. Mm -hmm. But then we have those moments of joy where he roars. 
Or I was saying, um, I was driving in the car and I was saying, always green, always green to make the lights green. Yeah. It's like my little mantra, like, please let the lights be green. And he started going green, green, green on his, <laughs> on his speech device or when he requests, um, music and it's Imagine Dragons that he wants to hear, yeah. you know, and then he lights up to that. So those, those are the, the moments of connection and joy that I hang on to when we're, when I'm grappling with those moments of grief I'm having more of those moments of grief this year with him yeah and and recognizing he's getting older so so we're at the end okay unless there's any other well I had like five questions and now I forget all of them (laughs) well I like I like the last question you did a really you that was a nice kind of wrap up I did that on purpose. Kind of question. Did you? No. Was that part of your plan? (laughs) Definitely not. I think the Reese eggs are calling my name. They look so good. They do. So I'm going to have to have one. And then I will continue to be fat. (laughs) But that's okay. So thank you for asking me questions today. Yeah, thanks for answering them. Thanks for being vulnerable. And I know it's it's not always easy. It's not. it's, It's important. And hopefully we're helping people. And... I hope so. Oh, and I did want to mention our our diagnosis stories are different across the board. Yeah. I mean, just yours and mine are way different. Right. And the people that we had respond are are hugely different. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's part of the, the difficulty in our community and finding that joy is that we just have such different diagnosis stories. Because mm-hmm. so. it's a spectrum. It is. So there's a spectrum of stories. Right. Right. But that's the beauty of it, too. Yeah. You know, that yeah. we have all these different experiences. Yeah. It's not like, you know, high cholesterol. Like, you get a blood test and, oh, right. bang, you have high cholesterol. It's, <laughs> it's not like that. No. Well, I think when people hear your story next time, they'll they'll really get to, like, this is a crazy process we go through sometimes. Yeah. When ours are about as different as they could be. Yeah. Because our kids are really different. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good, um, I think it's a good picture of how the same diagnosis can look so different mm-hmm. for different people. Absolutely. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Woo woo. Um, by the way, I noticed um, update. Tara still has her Christmas lights out. <laughs> along with her St. Patrick's Day decorations. You, you have called me out now every time in these last few months that we've recorded. Tune in next time to see if there are Christmas lights and Easter bunnies. Will my Christmas lights still be up in April? Perhaps. <laughs> we'll Listen, see. My Christmas decorations are still on my porch. I was going to say, don't, don't not, throw stones. I'm not judging. Don't you throw stones. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.